and let's get it. everyone and welcome to the AtCast, the podcast for the study of modern visual culture. Coming at you from the AtCast test kitchen, it's your non-professional chef, Renu. And your soup. You're more chef than me though, because you actually cook a whole lot. I do, I do do <laughs> a lot of cooking, so that's, that's valid. Yeah. This week AT stands for Appetit Troop because we'll be talking about the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. Uh, but before we get into that, what have we been up to? Well, this is um, this is a serendipitous sort of episode in, in terms of timing. Really? Because speaking of Bon Appetit, I had to make dinner for my family for my dad's mm. birthday mm. the other day. And I had nothing planned. And I was like, well... Oh no. <laughs> so I just went to the Bon Appetit YouTube channel and I was like, what do we got here? What do we got here? And I made some Help stuff. Me. I made some stuff that uh <laughs> that sounded tasty and and that it ended up being a, a, a huge hit. Um I it was very impressive, a, a spread. I sous vide some steak, which was just because I figured that would be fine. And then I uh Made some white pesto pasta and some potatoes. Just some like, just some some nice sort of pan cooked potatoes and uh, and some cocktails. I made some I made some pineapple hibiscus cocktails. Man, you fancy! Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it went really well actually. I was I was surprised at how smoothly it went, all things considered. Aww. So uh yeah it's um it's funny that we're recording this episode now because I literally just did this. I used this resource yeah. on the internet yeah. to help me in my real life. I was actually uh, to to like kind of like prepare for this episode I was going to make one of the recipes but then I realized I'm moving this weekend so I can't like yeah, dedicate you can't, any time to you anything. Yeah, you can't sort of do anything about that really. <laughs> Kind of so a, I'll probably yeah. save that for later and maybe tweet about it or something. But yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll maybe you'll get it to, done before yeah. the episode comes out. <gasps> I hope. No, I won't. No, be that able that's to. that would not. No, that's not in line with your schedule, huh? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, aside from that, I have been like. I don't remember how long really it's been since the last time we recorded actually. Uh just because I <laughs> I actually legitimately don't remember how long it's been and I think I've just been playing like Fire Emblem but like a little bit slower this time um the second time through. So I yeah. have poached every student now because I was I'm playing through New Game Plus and that lets you just take a couple of shortcuts which is really nice. Uh because mm -hmm. I am I don't have time really. <laughs> I just need to get through this as quickly as possible, so, you know, 
but it's interesting. I will say this about Fire Emblem, which is that I think the plot of it, at least the first half of the plot, is not actually that good. Oh, okay. I've like kind of cooled on it a little bit since since I played okay. through it. Because I think right. the, the second part of, of each route is a lot better, but because the first part is kind of the same, and it's not like... It's not super, I don't know, it could it could be a little deeper than it is. I think there are a lot of shortcuts that the writing takes and there's a lot of um there's a lot of moments where you're you've kind of like come to a a, a place where you're going to have something revealed to you, but because they're saving everything for the three routes that they have in the latter half of the game of each of those routes, you don't get any answers about basically <laughs> anything. Like everything's really unsatisfying. And then that's really annoying, yeah. <laughs> and then if you play through a certain route, and this is technically my fault because the uh, the Edelgard route for um, for Fire Emblem Three Houses is technically a secret route, which is like not a very well kept secret, but it is possible to miss it, and it's also the shortest one, so you don't really get any answers there either. Oh, so it's kind of it's kind of a bummer. I'm playing through. Um, I played through. Crimson Flower first, which is um, the 18, 18 chapter Edelgard route one. And I've okay. like, it makes sense why that one's like the quote unquote secret route, because essentially you're siding with what would traditionally be understood as the antagonist of, of the game. Oh, because like the in the second half, she's basically like the, you know, emperor who wants to destroy uh, life as we know it to recreate society in her own image or whatever. I mean, it's it's less less like that and really more like Oda Nobunaga, right? Like she wants to unite the the continent and and bring peace and uh, create equality because the the crest system and the nobility like cause oppression, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh-huh. But because of that, it's not like it almost seems like kind of an afterthought a little bit, uh, except for certain things about it. But I will say it's generally better than the school part. I think the school part has way too many quote unquote mysteries, which either get resolved in unsatisfying ways or don't get resolved at all. And anytime that they should like honestly just reveal something to you, they're like, uh, 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 but no, Uh (laughs) because they're saving it for the second part of the game because there's three roots and don't get me wrong. I kind of like the concept of it, but I also kind of wish that we would stop doing the branching root thing now. I, I get it. I, I get it. Like, we can get the whole picture if we play every route. But I, I would sometimes rather just have the big, straightforward narrative that the the Tellius games were. So, um, yeah, it's right. not as good as um, as I felt when I immediately played it because I was in the middle of it. But yeah, it's not bad still. It's just... Not necessarily good until you get to, like, the time skip portion, which is, like, kind of a bummer. So that's it. I haven't gotten to the time skip yet in my second playthrough. I'm, like, right. a couple months off. Um, But, yeah, there's just, like, a lot that happens that's just kind of, like, oh, yeah. Because I, I didn't realize until I played through the, the first half again, which I'm doing right now, Right. Where a lot of the stuff like doesn't get really picked up again in a lot of in, in a lot of at least the route that I played. And, I, and I'm assuming and I've heard this is the case that it's because it is more relevant in the other routes, depending on which route you do. And they all have different focuses. And that's mm. like kind of cool. And 
I kind of understand that, like, Fire Emblem games for a while now, you know, for the last, like, five games, haven't really been super as hardcore in-depth as um, as the Wii game was, like, the GameCube Wii games were. But, yeah, yeah I was just hoping that with the, with the console Fire Emblem game that it would be a little bit um, more... Right. I wonder a little bit deeper if there would have been a way for them to organize the content in a way where they would have had like a main route, right? Where you have all of the relevant information that you would need, like basically all that boring stuff that you mentioned in the first half. Right. right? And then you, that way, when you play the other routes, they kind of start where the interesting stuff starts, right? So that you can approach it from each of the houses or whatever. Yeah. That way you don't have to backtrack over all of the uninteresting stuff or if you do so you would do so at an accelerated rate so that could because you already know you the player already know right yeah so the i think that would have been more ideal the ki- maybe see the, the <laughs> problem is that the the structure of the game it doesn't really allow mm. for a smoother way of of um doing this because mm. because it's so focused around your house and your students and you have to play through mm. it you have to choose your house basically immediately which means that you're locked into that one basically for the rest of the game. Right. And so you don't get to make that choice and you don't get to just like make a save file and then choose except for the Black Eagle's house because there's a branching path there. Okay. And I I think because they were intending it to be played like replayed, the school stuff is doesn't feel as deep as the rest of it because they want right. you to kind of just like skip through it even though it's like half the game still. Right. Yeah, that that's what I feel like could have maybe I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know what would have to go into it to make it smoother or, or more interesting. But it it feels kind of like if you're planning like this kind of game that for sure, for sure, your player will have to replay this game or will be interested in replaying this game, that there needs to be some kind of accommodation made to make things to not like make them feel like it's a grind or whatever right because yeah. i mean yeah it's an srpg but you don't need to like you shouldn't also have to like grind through the plot too <laughs> you know yeah i think <laughs> like i think a lot of it is just yeah. the fact that it's 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 made to be replayed a bunch and i i'm guessing they're not really expecting you to like binge all of it at once which is fair it's just that like I think the I think the branching path structure of the game. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done it with this game, we're kind of done with it. Like I don't think we need to right. do this again because it. Right. I will say this: the branching paths in this game are a lot better than the branching paths in uh, Fates, like the right. Conquest and Birthright ones. Right, the, right, right. The branching paths make so much more sense. God, the okay. I have so many issues with the plot of, of Fates, but that's neither here nor there. I think that <laughs> there there are compromises that must be made for a game of this structure. And I think mm-hmm. that they've done pretty okay within those those constraints. I just don't think we should do this again. I think we can safely go back to a Fire Emblem game that's like deep and like because like right. I think the world building is like good. It's like very, you know, wide, right? Right. But it, like a lot of aspects of it don't feel as deep because they're expecting you to kind of fill it in with the other roots. And right. that's not necessarily the most satisfying way to build your game. Right. Because especially, especially if you only play through yeah. it once, then like you're just going to get a subpar experience. Right. That's true. 
But I mean, um, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love this game. Like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I love this game. Yeah. It's just that it has some 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 plot like writing issues and like yeah, yeah uh, there are some well, things about that, it. That there. Yeah, I mean, of course, and I th- I feel like considering that according to your testimony, it's such a step up from Fates. Oh God, uh, anything would be. Hopefully, right, right. Hopefully that, that that means that they're listening to feedback, right, and whatever feedback they receive from this, they'll be able to carry forward into the next Fire Emblem game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's yeah. it's it's a difference of expectation because I think people were expecting a game like the previous console Fire Emblems, and instead oh. they got kind of a halfway point between that and the handheld games, which isn't right. bad, mind you. I think it's a a pretty good game, and and it's a good intro right. to the series, even though it's a right. little complicated. Right. And there's a lot of things that it does that I really like. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think the the writing is the part that suffers the most from the way the game is made. Yeah, and you would feel like if you're going to go this way that if anything the writing ought to be elevated by the plot somehow like like the way that you structured your story needs to Right. Like the way that you structure your story and the way that you structure your game, they need to feed into each other, right? They need to elevate each other, not not <laughs> one side gets brought down. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that like as far as handheld Fire Emblem games go, they've always been a little bit like this, where a lot of it is mm. meant to be interpreted and and sort of the finer details are left to sort of be inferred. It's just that right. when you have the benefit of a console, then you have the liberty of exploring that in more depth. And I think they could have done that. Sure. Because there are shining right. moments in the game of of like real like kind of emotional impact and then a lot of the times it's just it's just kind of like well you're not going to answer this question and i already know the answer to it but you're just refusing to answer because you're saving it for a different route and that's frustrating yeah i would be excited to see if they do end up revisiting the the depth of uh of previous fire emblem games on in the future because that would appeal to me. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a fine enough time with, like, Awakening and all that, but, like, that's because I liked the battle system a lot, because I love SRBGs. But I couldn't say anything about the plot, because it was... Right. <laughs> right? Awakening has, like, um, so, yeah. small moments that it's really good, and right. aside from that, a lot of its characterization is honestly a little flat. Right, exactly. Uh, and I would love... Because, like, one of my favorite games of all time was Final Fantasy Tactics, and so if I can have my SRPG and have my plot, then I'm you'll automatically be like one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think that yeah. a lot of the issues that I have with this game seem to be conscious choices based on the format of the game. And that's like kind of that's kind of okay because I, mm-hmm. I feel someone will probably dig it. I think that because the conceit of the game is that you're a teacher, which is kind of neat to be honest. Like I kind of I kind of like the the format the game takes in that respect. Sure. You kind of can guide your students into whatever classes they you can you want them to be really. And I have some complicated feelings about that because on one hand it is nice to be able to customize your units to to have them do whatever. But on the other hand, I also sure. kind of like it when I don't really get a choice in the matter. Like I really like old Fire Emblem progression where it's just I am a soldier class and I will upgrade into a better soldier class, right? Hmm. Like I, I I I like it because and this is a personal issue of mine is that I like to keep the characters <laughs> in their like canon classes, their quote unquote canon classes as often as possible. 
Um, you will sure. you will know which classes those are in three houses because after the time skip, they will keep their outfit that they wear in that class. And I kind of wish that was just the class they were a little bit. Right. But I understand why they didn't for this game specifically. I just I, I it's not it's not my personal taste. OK, because I think that there are people that really like it. Right. OK. And I don't yeah. want to I don't want to just be like, ah, oh, Fire Emblem used to be so good. Blah, 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 blah. I think it's good. I, <laughs> I really <laughs> I really love this series still. And like, yeah, I, I don't want to become the like Gen 1 or only Pokemon guy who's like, mm, Charizard only best Pokemon. Oh, it's only one. <laughs> right. So as a as a Gen 1 lady, I do not agree <laughs> on only using Gen 1 Pokemon all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's like and, and this is this is completely a different topic entirely but like i'm not yeah. i'm not even remotely mad about there not being every pokemon in in sword and shield i think that's fine i think that's kind of fun honestly and like all the complaints about it are just whatever like i get it it's it sucks if your favorite pokemon isn't in the game but i'm sure they'll be in sure. a future game and they you just can't really expect it there's like a thousand of those suckers now i think it it, it is tough because they made a new system uh, or I guess like a new engine or whatever um, for the new game that either they delay the game by like a significant amount of time in order to be able to model right all of the previous Pokemon to put in this game or they release it sooner. And and at that um, point, at that point, you're not even like really making the game anymore so much as you're just like yes, making exactly. art assets for it. And like that's not the way right. that a game cycle, like a game dev cycle works. Right. So I think they just had to make a call, and I mean, if this is what they want to do, then I mean, it's their franchise. Like I, I, I do think there is like like for me, there is a certain appeal of seeing previous generations of Pokemon plus the new generation of Pokemon like interacting, right? And they 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 live in the same world. It makes it feel like they all belong together, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like you go from one region to another and they don't ever intermingle, right? So I think there's a there's a huge appeal in that, and I think that's why people are maybe super disappointed. Aside from like not having their favorite Pokemon, is like it just feels better when they're all, you know, in the I mean, same world. <laughs> right, right. But also like you know, they're not necessarily all like the the only reason that people are mad about this is is like because they're just not all there. Like the concept of that is is upsetting to them okay because like right the thing is a lot of pokemon games you can't even access the the general population of pokemon until you beat the game right exactly and the only concerns after that are if you're a collector which i get like you know that different people play the game differently and it kind of sucks if you don't have the ability to do that but like i feel like that's a very small like a, a very small sort of population um a subsect of the the population of pokemon players and like for the people who are concerned about competitive integrity i promise you it's not going to break the competitive scene like this is literally the same as if a hero was banned it's just not applicable it doesn't matter (laughs) Mm. i understand the concern but it just doesn't matter from a competitive standpoint because (laughs) limitations on competitive play just mean that there's more creativity in what happens like and this this is a whole other rant, but like the the two 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 lock for for Overwatch is like, I think it's good. Also, 
but a lot of people would disagree with me and say like, well, it's not as it's not as creative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I I think that's not necessarily correct, but if I talk about that, we'll I be think, here for six yeah. years. I think yeah, no, I I agree with the principle anyway in that like creativity can spring from limitations. I I, mm-hmm. I think that creativity has to spring from limitations. Yeah. I don't think that yeah. people like people need something to bounce off of. Sure. So yeah, honestly, like I find it kind of more fun personally when games don't necessarily have like access to everything right like if you have if you had like a cheat code and you could give yourself like infinite money then that's like kind of fun for like five minutes before you're like well i'm bored now because i didn't i don't have anything to do now that i've obtained yeah well i I think it also depends on your own circumstances too right it's like yeah i mean if you have limited time then yeah people will like pay money to in order to get to the goal faster or something like that right so i think I think there could be an argument made in both directions, but I definitely don't feel like it should always be like one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I mean, they're not like yeah. excluding every Pokemon, mind you. Right. Exactly. And I, yeah. I I will say that there are legitimate concerns about it. Right. Like less popular Pokemon sure. might not get in, and sure, uh, there are always concerns about platforms like like the Pokemon Bank or whatever that are outside of the game. That might right, not exactly. exist forever, and I completely understand yes. that. Yes. It's just yes. that, like, those are the only real concerns that I see about it that don't stem from, like, entitlement, right? Mm. Like, just because you've been playing the game for a while doesn't mean you're entitled to more Pokemon in your game. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's my <laughs> rant about Fire Emblem and Pokemon and, and a little bit of Overwatch. What have you been up to? Me? Oh my goodness, Soup. So I've had like one good thing and then two bad things happen in my past week. Tasty. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a little nice little good bad sandwich. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, uh, I guess we'll start with the good. I just came back from a convention, Queen City Anime Convention. It was really, really fun. That's like my hometown convention. So I got to see my family and got to see my friends and i got to meet some online friends which was dope because i did not know that they lived in that area but they do so that was awesome (laughs) uh and um yeah overall it's a good experience it's a smaller con so it's a lot more like chilled out you know i can actually like hold a conversation with the artist alley coordinator without them running around like a chicken without its head (laughs) and um yeah so it was fun uh very very nice weekend um the two bad things that happened were media in my life related uh one was uh the star ocean mobile game that i have actually kept up with and been playing since i downloaded it last november oh no (laughs) um the global version shut down or is going to shut down oh my god yeah yeah Yeah. so i was heartbroken because they literally like no joke they just had their anniversary their one year anniversary ouch content released yeah and so then it was kind of like a what they did for it was they re-released all of the banners that they had up until this point in this past year right to kind of celebrate and also like if you want to get any of these characters that you didn't get before, you can you can get them now kind of kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that was just like weeks of 
no events, like absolutely nothing. There were a couple of like the usual like daily grind events and um, the really hard like if you're a if you're a freaking masochist, then you can do these events. But they're like it was a, it was a, nothing like new. Right. No, no new characters or anything. And so people were like, oh, man, it's the doomsday. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um and sure enough like uh, they they released an announcement saying that they were gonna cut all services i think in a couple months from now so um for the one ray of light is that the japanese version of the game is still going strong so if you decide that you want to make that commitment then you can switch over which which I did because I actually really do enjoy this game. Problem is, you know, it's Japanese. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You can't read any of the... Not that I was in it for the story anyway, so that's why it didn't bother me, you know, to have it in Japanese. I, if I know where the menus are and I can still play the game, then that's fine, which I can, and, and that's that's good enough for me. But you also, like, you have to start from zero because you can't... <clears throat> excuse me, you can't transfer any of your uh, data over right so oh, all of your characters bummer. everything that you've invested in it's gone oh right? bummer yeah um and so apparently what they've done in previous games that they've shut down like they like i think there was a tales of mobile game that they shut down they uh that company at least uh gave a banner in which you could get all of the characters in the game like easy peasy right you could just keep rolling until you get your your the character that you want for this game for their shutdown they are they they have it so that you can exchange coins in the coin shop or whatever to get them uh the problem is that the coin amount that you need to get these characters is super high oh it's like stupidly high so like you have to like grind out these events over and over and over again just to get these characters that are going to disappear anyway. And it's like, why couldn't you have just like, given them to us? Like, or just like put them in a little reroll banner you or must whatever. Suffer. Like a little, little, yeah, you got to suffer. You got to grind some more to get them. And I guess like they wanted to give people like a reason, like if they wanted to continue playing and grinding, then yeah, they, they, they would be able to get some characters out of it. But it just make any sense to make it that high <laughs> Ugh, that feels bad so yeah feels bad all around it wasn't it was it was going to be the one mobile game that i actually put money in to support right because i enjoyed it that much mm-hmm. but it was so laden with so many problems that ah. were just never fixed because i think the team the global team is so small uh. that rather than like actually fixing any of the technical problems they were just like okay well this game isn't compatible with that anymore so we're just not gonna ever fix it we have to focus on uh prioritizing the new banners and the new Ah, content right that's that's such a bummer yeah it was such a huge bummer so uh Listen, this is is why I play Granblue (laughs) Fantasy. It's not, it's, there's there's no US release for this game. I'm just like keying into Japanese servers and they just have the whole game in English. That's what I want. I know, I'm sorry, bud. You you drew the short end of the stake there. I did. Uh, But, uh. I mean, to be fair, it's not like, um, on the bright side, it's, uh. Mm hmm. 
There's always more fish in the sea. There, are, yes, I agree. And you know what? I if I wanted to, if I want to, I can always switch to a different game. Uh, you could always Japanese, play the Japanese game, right? The Japanese version of it is actually extremely robust. Like oh, I was okay shocked. Yeah, so it's just no, way like better. no joke. It's it's literally way better. Like like the UI. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if you remember me talking about this, but the the menu interface in the global version was super slow, right? Uh huh. In the Japanese version, it's faster. What? The stuff is just con- is just coded better. It's way better supported. There are so many more characters in the Japanese version because you know it's actually had a couple of years under its belt. So, Jeez. You know. It's it's just better. It's just in a different language. So that's such a that's such a bummer. That's like that's also yeah. hilarious. I did okay, and this yeah. this is a this is a small aside. I did once do yeah. this for yeah. uh, the game Puzzle and Dragons, where I had a Japanese account. Yeah. yeah, and I would use that to see what they were making. Anyway, oh, that's funny. <laughs> now I I know you're heartbroken uh, over this, but uh, the yeah. the mobile game Girls Frontline is currently having a Valhalla collab, which is really cool. Oh, neat. So I'm going nice. to probably start doing that, I think, this week. That's freaking dope. So that I can have my, my, <laughs> my, little, my little Valhalla kids, because I, I love, love Valhalla. That's awesome. Yeah. Girls Frontline is really <laughs> weird. Like, it's yeah? a really weird game. What kind of game. game is it? Okay, so it's like a... Oh, God, how do you even describe it? it okay, so you know, you know, the, you know the game <laughs> Kantai Collection? Like, the ship game? But like they're all wifeys. I have heard of it and I have seen art of it, and that's it. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, where okay. all of the characters are personified guns, right? And the game plays—it's like a resource management game, like for half of it, and then the other half, it's like a turn-based strategy board game sort of thing. It's really weird. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, I played a little bit of it a couple of months ago in anticipation of the Valhalla collab, and now that it's started, I guess I should just pick it up again until I get the characters. If for no other reason than just to have them. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know me, I love me some Valhalla. I got me one of them Jill plushies <laughs> just sitting... <laughs> Sitting somewhere on my shelf. I want a Jill plushie. <laughs> they ha- oh my god! You will not believe how hard I had to work to order one of these fucking things. I really? I tried like four different times, and they had like pre-order windows, and I caught like the last one. <gasps> because every time I went, I the one. website stopped working because there was so much traffic. Wow! Really? They have? Oh my god! And then by the time it started working, they, they, all the plushies were sold out. No. Anyway, so I have one of those now. Oh, good. I'm glad you got one. Yeah, it's it's super adorable. But uh, I do I do love Valhalla, and I love that um I love that studio, and and the game. Yeah, they're awesome. Very dearly. So anytime they do anything, I have to support it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, did you have another bad thing? Oh yes, uh, the anime that I've been watching. Okay, uh, which it's is an old one. All right. It, it, it's called Touch. It's called what? Um, Touch. Touch. Yes. Okay. It's old. It's from the 80s. Um, I was having a lovely time watching it because I was like, oh, 80s. And, and the uh-huh. 80s humor is very cute. The way that they animate is very cute. It's it's an anime right. about like these middle schoolers. Uh, there's two, tw- uh, two twins. There's twins. <laughs> 
Um, and they're both in love with the same girl, the girl next door. Ah. Uh, and the the older twin, uh, he's uh, he's kind of like a laid back dude, a, like a bit of a slacker. Um, he's basically labeled kind of like the good for nothing twin, whereas the other one is like the superstar, right? He's like the baseball pitch star ace pitcher, whatever. Um, and he's like super hardworking. All the girls love him, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh -huh. Um, so they both love this girl and, uh, she's like the responsible type. Like everyone's like, Oh, you'll make such a good wife and all that kind of business. Right. Uh, and so they're in this love triangle and then eventually gets revealed uh, throughout the story that the reason that the older twin uh, portrays himself as such a, you know, such a good for nothing is because he's always sacrificed whatever is good for him for his little brother. Right. He's always put Gasp. his little brother first. Yeah. And uh, that includes his feelings for the girl. Right. He, wants the two of them to get together even at the cost of his own feelings right but the girl loves the older brother <laughs> ah. <laughs> so it's that kind of deal of course right yeah and so the by the way i'm spoiling like everything in this show up to where i've watched which is the 26th episode um and so <laughs> the the main girl she she like makes it very clear how she feels about the guy, the the older brother. And even though he knows that he could, you know, obviously reciprocate, he doesn't because he doesn't have any confidence in himself. Right. Because he spent all of his life like putting his little brother first. He doesn't believe he's any good for her. And he still thinks that she should get together with his little brother. Mm. So um, it's a very like happy kind of, approach to this whole situation like it's honestly like rather endearing how much like despite the fact that they both love the same girl the two brothers are still very nice to each other like they their bond hasn't really it's gotten more complicated but it hasn't been compromised in a way of like oh i hate you we gotta fight and all that i mean they they, they there's a bit of a competitive edge between them but it's more like they want to bring out the best in each other which is super sweet and so I love that. And <laughs> the the plot eventually escalates to a point where the uh the the younger brother is about to they, they get into high school and so they're going to compete for the Koshien, right? Which is the, okay, the, right. the big old baseball tournament. And so they are the whole town is hyped because the team is doing so well, right? Younger brother is the star. And it's leading up into the final game that will determine whether or not they qualify for the Koshian, right? If they win, they get to go in the Koshian. So, uh, 26 episode rolls around and the tone of the anime has like shifted and it's, it's just like, like it's, it's hard to put a, a finger on it until you realize like how quiet the episode is. And how drawn out a lot of the scenes are like it's very like a lot of summary kind of imagery a lot of cicadas and you aren't sure why aside from oh they're building excitement for the match right and also it's the middle of summer so of course they would show a lot of summer stuff 
Um, and then <laughs> I'm gonna spoil the okay. thing in this anime. <laughs> you find out <laughs> that the on the way to the tournament or the the the, the baseball match. The little brother dies. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I lost my mind. What? Because <laughs> literally, this is such a happy, good feeling show. <laughs> oh <just> my like... god. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> it was so much. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, this. There's, there's no way, right? Because, it, <laughs> and, and what, oh my god. I. You. You find out that, uh, like, so the, the episode is told in the perspective of the older brother because uh, mom was just like, hey, your brother left, um, get get him this omomori for good luck, right? And so the older brother is, like, on the way, trying to find the younger brother. He gets to the stadium, the younger brother isn't there, so you think, oh, maybe, like, he got sick or they've been showing the sun a lot during this episode. Maybe he like had some like heat exhaustion or something, right? Because he's been training so hard for this tournament. Uh, it turns out that he got hit by a car trying to save a little kid from getting run over. I mean, of, of course. <laughs> and, and then he went to it. He went to another world <laughs> to begin yeah, his fantasy and, adventure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now he's in an isekai. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. It was such a like, oh, out of nowhere soup out of nowhere that, that's so <laughs> jarring to even hear i can't imagine yeah, going through yeah. 25 episodes yeah. and then suddenly oh yes. by the way he dies he i know <laughs> so i just like i haven't <laughs> been able to pick up the series since then i mean i will because i i have to know what happens afterwards because i feel like the reason that they do this because i feel like the writing is very deliberate in the show is now that the little brother is gone, the older brother uh, will end up stepping into his shoes because right. this entire show they've been uh, the both the younger brother and basically everyone around him has been encouraging this older brother like you've been holding yourself back for so long like you need to like embrace the fact that you are actually like a skilled dude you're a hard worker you you actually even have some talent for baseball but you just refuse to acknowledge any of that because you want the best for your brother and so uh i feel like now i feel like that's the direction that it's going to go in is that the older brother is going to want to become a pitcher and 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 take his uh brother's team to to the koshien uh in his honor jesus christ how many episodes is this show so much huh how many episodes is this it's it's 81 episodes he only dies 25 (laughs) episodes in i know i know i i i thought this was like the end of the series but it's it's just the beginning it's just the beginning okay I mean, I I will say that there is a a certain amount of oh of God. 
clout. Like, just absolute bravery yeah. that you have just to kill off one of yes. your main characters. For yes. realsies. For realsies. And basically what you're telling me is that, like, it's just yeah. it's just everything that was good about Kimi no Irumachi, but, like, it doesn't... It's not bad after that. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll, it'll continue to, like, go up... Well, I mean, you can't really... I mean, someone just died, but, like, I feel like... I hope this, the writing is still just as strong. Like okay. going All forward right. after this. Well, point. I was, I was um, gonna say I hope yeah. it I hope it stays good because uh, yeah. there's really nowhere <laughs> else that you can afford to go after that. Yeah. You better be good. So the, <laughs> right. So the reason that I ended up picking up this anime is because there is actually a sequel that recently released, what? like what? decades after the what? fact. Right. What? Um, and and it takes place like twenty some odd years after this story and so i was like oh i gotta watch the first series before i jump into this so it's apparently good enough to get a sequel okay so i mean here's hoping sure (laughs) yeah please don't rip out my heart again i'm still shocked fuck that is wild (laughs) yeah um it was uh yeah so that's that's what happened to me last week (laughs) okay well that's that's wild that's really yeah. wild. Let's let's talk about the thing that we decided to talk about this episode and not other things. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's much happier. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about the Bon Appetit YouTube channel, but more specifically, Yay. what is Bon Appetit? You might be asking yourself. Well, yeah. dear listener, Bon Appetit is an American food magazine that has been around since the 1950s. They launched a YouTube channel in 2012 that focused mainly around cooking tutorials, guides, and interviews with chefs. In 2016 and 17, the success of the miniseries It's Alive with Brad Leone and Gourmet Makes with Claire Saffitz skyrocketed the channel from thousands of views to millions and has led to the formation of a number of different shows on the channel focused more around the personalities of the chefs than just the cooking itself. So... It's basically an old magazine with a new media coat leveraging the bright personalities of its employees to make content about food, kind of. It's great. It's, it's <laughs> fucking fantastic. It's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like, the words are, like, a little bit dry, but it's, it's said from a, a place of great love. <laughs> it's, it's made from a place of great, uh, of, of great love. So, okay... I know I told you to watch this, like this yes. whole YouTube channel and, and everything on it. Yes. But have you had any like exposure to Bon Appetit, like the YouTube channel or the um, the actual like print magazine itself before? Uh, before I, I think I might have seen a couple of like recipes by them mm-hmm. um like you know like just kind of like floating around like on facebook or something right uh and i saw it was highly recommended on youtube i just had never clicked on a video right um and so i was very pleasantly surprised because when you recommended me and i started watching i was like this is right up my alley why oh. did i watch this earlier <laughs> I, I i bet you love this <laughs> i love the heck out of all of it <laughs> It's genuinely wonderful. Like, like it is so educational and so entertaining, and that's that's my jam. That's yep. <laughs> Edu- you're very an entertainment jam. focused person. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so the the funny thing about this is I I remember seeing these magazines in the grocery store. Oh. Like when I was just in the in the checkout aisle. Just because I think that Bonnet Petit has like consistently had like really strong cover photography for a really long time. Um like if yeah. you go and look the the photography is always gorgeous. Um mm. and I used to spend a lot of time in grocery stores just with my parents, basically. So Sure. I, I don't know. I feel like that's like a normal experience, right? Spend some time in a grocery store with Reading magazines in the grocery store? Sure. <laughs> I, I didn't even read the magazines. I just looked at the covers. But yeah, it's, it was... So I recognized the name when I, when I watched right. um, some, of, uh, some of the stuff to begin with. Um, but I, right. I didn't realize like the kind of content they were making around the time I started watching. Because when I started watching... Uh, it was because one of my friends was like, oh, you should watch this thing. It's like this dude and he just makes like fermented foods. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's really funny, too. He's like from New Jersey. Mm. So that's how I started watching Bon Appetit. And I've I've been watching mm-hmm. for like a year or two now. And it's like quickly grown into one of my favorite things. Because, I mean, how how could I not like it? Right. It's, it's like they're fun people doing their job. Exactly. It's about food. And also about just, like, weirdos. Like, they're just, they're all a little yeah. bizarre. I love all of their personalities. They're it's so just good. A little, so good. It's a little something different about each of them that's very unique and interesting. Yeah. And, I yeah. I could not, like, choose my favorite Bon Appetit person. That's not impossible. <laughs> like, they're all just gems. They're all just gems. I love they them. They are. And yes. I, I will say there's something a little bit, like, interesting about the way that it kind of taps into something that really i guess hasn't really been recreated that much and at least Mm -hmm. not in the way that bon appetit does it it's a very unique sort of thing yeah it's it's personable but obviously each of these chefs are like they're they're professionals and they have such a great respect for food that that pulls through all of their content so well like yeah, I, you know they're tasting everything, they're explaining everything, and they're they're so like there's a certain approachable air about everything that they're making that that is so that just makes it so wonderful to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that compared to, yeah. and, and I think that this is partly because of Bon Appetit as sort of um, a legacy of food and entertainment, right? As like mm-hmm. a magazine, I think it's always been a little mm-hmm. bit like aimed towards like the average person because i think and this is like this is my sort of opinion where i think that a lot of people are very interested in food not just from a culinary perspective but from a a humanitarian sort of humanistic personable personal experience right the the subjective experiences of food and i think that's become a lot more of a thing in recent years as become as people become more conscious about it but right yeah so I think for a long time, people have been interested in the personalities behind cooking. And I think that's why mm, like, yeah. people, like figures uh, in cooking are treated a little bit like celebrities. And they have celebrity TV, uh, TV shows, right? Right, right, like, right. Yeah. But it's a little bit different from that. Because I think that um, as, opposed to, as opposed to like Jamie Oliver or uh, Julia Child, although Julia Child is like a very different sort of vibe and very different. Very near and dear to America's heart, so it's almost like it's almost like closer to to the Bon Appetit um, sort of a vibe. But like, uh, I, I think that a lot of people are very interested in these personalities, and like God knows, you know the the sort of internet and Guy Fieri and Gordon Ramsay, right? All of all of that is kind of a whole thing, where yeah, 
a lot of people are very interested in in these people and their like kind of weird personalities right because they they have personalities that kind of shine right. through and they have like ways that they approach food and i think that's always been a little bit the case right with with produced right, right. television where mm-hmm. a lot of tv shows have been focused around this and mm-hmm. and you know very specifically like you know anthony bourdain and yeah. and parts unknown is like a, a really great example of this where like it's such a it's such a like reverent personal show while at the same time being like very informational you know it's it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see it from him his perspective and and how he interacts with with the space but it's it's never that he's it's never that he's foregrounding that like he's never being like mm-hmm. well my experience is what's what's important right it's that you're just getting to it through a, a person and mm-hmm like the the sort of culture that you're visiting is like the the foremost important thing and it's always treated with respect. Anyway, I think that Bon Appetit keys into a similar space. And I think that mm-hmm. it does so but in a way that's like more informal, less produced and and more personable as a result because you get a lot yes. more of of the people. And like you have to understand that the people that, you know, we're we're seeing are basically just chefs in a test kitchen and like magazine editors basically. And they are yeah. like, they have, they put on a little bit of a personality, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a difference between people who are comfortable on camera and who are not. And I think that all of the people in the test kitchen at this point in time are very comfortable around the camera. Right. So there's a very natural sort of vibe to it, even though there is definitely a lot of production that goes into it. Yeah. I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like they could have gone into a direction of like being super highly produced, like super highly edited, like uh, like basically kind of like a perfectionist type of uh, production that uh, that we see a lot of already, mm-hmm. right? Especially like on TV and whatnot. That I feel like I'm glad that they went in this direction. That they have been like they have a very obviously specific vision for their show, but at the same time, it's so relaxed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's it, a very it casual doesn't feel vibe. Like Exactly. Like it actually does feel like you're you're invited into the kitchen with them to see what they're doing and they don't mind showing like if something goes wrong or if they have to right. test something over and over again. Like that's part of the process. Like that's the cooking process and it feels like that's what that's part of what this channel strives for is to just invite you into the cooking process and show like, "Hey, not everything is going to be picture perfect every time. Like you're going to have some hiccups and and you're going to have like, you know, it's going to be collaborative, right? If you have other people running around in the kitchen, like you'll be able to ask them stuff. You're going to be tasting everything. Like, like all of that stuff is so like authentic to cooking that it makes it feel like it, like, like it's more, I don't know. It, it's just better to watch. <laughs> yeah. Like not that there's anything wrong with something that's overly produced or, or whatever that, the, or that's highly produced rather, but there's a certain like wonderful appeal to this too. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I yeah. I think that a lot of it is is in like in part due to the editing, right? Because it's yeah. so informal and because they don't really cut out mistakes. Even when people are just like, hey, hey, cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> right? They yeah, keep it. Yeah. They keep They're it like, in no, we're on purpose. It in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it leads to an atmosphere that's like so so casual. It feels a lot like yeah. You just happen to turn kind of a camera on and someone was already doing something, right? Right. I think it, it's actually kind of amazing how accessible it is as as a channel uh, yeah. for like anybody to to sort of. And I, I think this is great, right, where it is it's so accessible for people to like, even if you don't really know anything about cooking, you could just go in and they'll teach you a recipe. 
and they'll walk you through why they're doing it. Yes. And it's like kind of it's like someone's teaching you how to do it. And it's including all of all of their failures and in a way that makes it feel so like, I I mean, this is kind of a weird word to use, but it feels very real. Yeah. And it feels very. God, I hate this word, but it feels very authentic. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's 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 basically like there's a certain level of frustration that you feel when you're following a recipe to the word. You feel like you're doing everything right and it still goes wrong. And because the person that you're following or the recipe that you're following is like basically like the law or, or or like everything is perfect in that world, you feel separated from it. And I feel like people who aren't super well versed in cooking or are trying to get into cooking but are apprehensive about it because, you know, it's difficult and you don't know anything about food or whatever, they could approach this kind of content and see like, oh, it's okay to mess up yeah yeah oh they're messing up in the same way that i would like that that kind of thing right well that's that's like the great thing about and and i i think that's a large part of why it became a popular youtube channel because the two things that really made it popular you know it's alive and gourmet makes are so like intrinsically tied to how often they fuck up everything (laughs) like failure is a part of the process and you don't normally get to see that from yes a a recipe coming out of a professional like book or anything like that like a professional publication because it's been tested but because you get a little bit of insight into the process it makes it demystifies everything a little bit it makes it a a little bit more accessible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like i think that's a lot of the work that the the youtube channel is doing Mm -hmm. which is really cool and like I, it's just kind of nice to be like enveloped in this space, like in being invited into the into the test kitchen with uh, all these mm-hmm. people. There is, and I will mm-hmm. say this is um this is something that uh, I once saw somebody talk about art rooms as a as the opposite of a liminal space where it's it has such a strong sense of persistence uh, that mm-hmm. it's like it feels very grounded. That's I feel exactly the same way about Bon Appetit, where. It is it is like the opposite of a liminal space where it it kind of grounds you in in a place. And because of the way that everyone is just doing things all at once and the camera happens to be on one person and sometimes they like cross over. Like video wise, like something that happens in this video will like show up again because someone else is recording this video Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Like part of that is what leads to uh, lends to this like this sense of persistence that is like so comfortable. It feels like. Yes. Uh, it, it feels very solid. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it is pretty much exactly the same appeal as slice of life content. <laughs> I think a large part of the appeal of, of Bon Appetit is slice of life content. People really, really want mm-hmm. slice of life content. But this time it's for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, people love, like, Wotakoi and, like, the office life, but, like, nobody would want to yeah. work in the office, <laughs> you know, and, and, in, and in a similar sort of vein, like, being a, a test chef sounds exhausting, but it it's, like, because, you know, you just get to watch it happen, it's really nice. Yeah. And, you know, they, yeah. they always seem to be having fun. They, like, love their jobs, which is great. Yes. Yes. I hope I hope it's those awesome. people are being paid a fuck ton of money. <laughs> I bet they are. They all like live in New York, basically. I'm sure they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They can they can afford it. Bon Appetit is a very like well regarded establishment. Generally, I feel like. 
Yeah. I Well, and this is actually interesting is I think that like this YouTube channel is really good for the magazine because it's a print magazine. Oh, yeah, so, yeah like, for sure. I mean, there's there's no way that that is like, you know, the, like the YouTube channel must make up a very good percentage of the, the profits of this company now. Yeah, I feel like I bet you that there have been so many people that have been introduced to the magazine through the channel, even though the magazine came first. <laughs> right. And I, that's, I think that's that's always going to be like the case. Right. It's like yeah. it's like watching the anime yeah. and then reading the manga. Yes, exactly. Yeah. OK, ex- excuse me. I liked Bon Appetit back when it was still a manga. <laughs> back when you were looking at the manga covers. Yeah, exactly. I was like, mm, <laughs> In the grocery yes, store. Food. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I sort of I kind of like having uh, an online sort of recipe book now. Uh, I, I keep a lot yeah. of tabs of, of recipes, but like the, the Bon Appetit ones are always and this is the nice thing. They're always very, very accessible. Like I feel like I don't have to bust my ass when I make these recipes like they're they're mm. made to be very accessible. Like they don't really require yes. a lot of. Uh, super specialized equipment. Unless, like, you're watching right. Claire make, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah. Candy. <laughs> but I feel like she's she's super honest about, like, this... Or she's very, very, like, conscientious of how approachable this is for the common consumer. Right. right? I, a lot and of she, them are. She's, she, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is awesome. Like, the... <laughs> specifically, um, the white pesto pasta that I made uh, is yeah. a is a recipe by Carla, and she was, like... So I envision this recipe with a, a mortar and pestle, but I understand that like most people don't have those. So you're just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna ask you to chop it up with a knife. <laughs> I mean, mind you, I do own a mortar and pestle. I actually have a couple, but they're not mine. Nice. Like my family owns yeah. a couple, but like that's right, right. Beside the point, most people too. don't. So right, most people don't. I, exactly. There is a lot of there's a lot to be said about recipes, and this is part of the reason I started cooking was because recipes were so accessible like the the recipes that i saw were like so like i could do that with stuff in my pantry right mm-hmm. and that will mm-hmm. give you the experience required to be able to make other stuff and to branch out and to actually go grocery shopping and to start cooking mm-hmm. right so yeah yeah i i mean every, every time i think about bon appetit i'm like a little bit cynical about it i'm just like yeah they're just capitalizing on on the personalities that they, they they're just marketing them. That's, that's how it. you explained it, yeah. <laughs> but on the other, but on the other hand, like every time I get kind of cynical about it, I I can't really be cynical for that long, just because it's so good. Generally, like the content itself is so good, and yeah, the people who make it care so much about what they're doing, and the fact that like they clearly have a lot more budget to play with in terms of video making because they they kind of went from just like doing stuff in the test kitchen to like well i guess we just fly to italy now and make cheese yes right? oh my god <laughs> and i mean like that's to be fair that's i'm just talking about video stuff because they already talked about um how like you know they obviously went around and flew around to like other places to like film or uh, get research done for recipes and that's like Mm-hmm. That's that's always been a thing in in the magazine sort of space, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I don't know. I I think it's kind of cool because um, a lot of the shows are focused on making food much more accessible. Um, just from like, even just the recipes because they're so mm-hmm. they don't they're not that complicated, 
A lot of them are not mm-hmm. that complicated, and they like kind of cut out the steps that you don't really need. That somebody like I don't know. Like here's the thing. I'm not to talk shit about certain certain celebrity chefs, but Jamie Oliver makes everything way too complicated. <laughs> like, come on, man. Take it back a step. Like, nobody wants to buy four different kinds of cheese to make one dish. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like each each chef or each cooking show has its audience, right, ah, that it yeah. caters to, and... And you know maybe maybe for someone like Jamie Oliver, I can barely say his name for some reason. Uh, For someone like Jamie Oliver, maybe it caters to personalities who would love to buy four different cheeses and they want to go to all the lengths of trouble. And and, I one hundred percent agree that that those those recipes are are definitely aimed at the kinds of people that would buy four different kinds of cheeses right at once. Yeah, yeah. To make a singular dish, but yeah, no, it's. I, I think that there's always been space for this that people have been looking for, right? It's kind of a uh, a perfect storm of a lot of different factors surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Because there is the desire for, and let's be let's be honest here. There's let's start at number one. People want to have jobs. Sure. <laughs> like people people <laughs> want employment, but they kind of have this like fantasy of employment, and like workspaces that are like this where they're kind of like fun and you kind of get to do fun stuff and you like hanging out with people right so it it fulfills that Mm -hmm. kind of like slice of life vision of work while at the same time uh it's about food which is sort of in right now like people are much more conscious about food right now than they have been for quite a long time and like it's also very accessible because it's youtube content Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a lot of these things. And then like, I don't know, how could you not like it when like just this friendly man from New Jersey tells you how to make kombucha? <laughs> like, th- there is a, 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 not a small part of this. In fact, I would say almost all of it is just the fact that the personalities of, of the chefs are so strong and so like bright and distinct. And they're also positive. Mm-hmm. They're also nice and positive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's just a very wholesome place to be. Yeah. Uh but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like even with all of the frustrations that go into their extremely difficult job, the fact that they are so supportive of each other is also really uplifting to see. Yeah, like they exactly. don't they themselves don't necessarily always are always like super happy and rain do the like, you know, job all the time when they're, like, butting headfirst into, like, a horrible problem. Uh, but the fact that they are, like, in this communal space where it's just like, you know, it's okay that you're having a hard time with this. Let's, you know, you got this. You can do it. Like, that kind of attitude is is really good to see because it's not artificial, right? It doesn't feel artificial in terms of, like, God put a freaking smile on even though, like, I really hate that i'm struggling with this thing right now you know <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think that there's definitely like a level of that like it is yeah as as much as it is sort of like you put on because i i think this is the case for anybody anybody puts on a little bit of a character when they're on camera sure yeah but you know it's like none of the interactions or or emotions on the show or like any of the the sort of like content is is really like fake i guess you could say it's not 
something not genuine, you know? Right. And, and it they does, let you see that, too. It feel, like, manufactured. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a very different format from, uh, like, a produced show. And it's very different from really a lot of other things that have existed. Because there are a lot of cooking channels. Cooking channels are very popular right now on, on YouTube. Yeah. Generally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them mm-hmm. have, you know, very strong personalities, right? Like, like binging with Babish, right? Like, that's a thing that people really mm-hmm. like, um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's like a dude and he makes like stuff from the shows that you like, right? And, yeah. and he has a certain like charm to him in his personality uh, and, the, and his like delivery, mm-hmm. right? But I think that's a little bit different from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen because yes it is for sure like the vibe of it is so different i think yeah like he he is also quite casual in his approach in terms of like you 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 get to see when he messes up too right (laughs) uh but there is there is a certain energy about his videos that it's that's different from bon appetit right yeah i i would definitely agree yeah i would definitely agree Mm -hmm. I, i think that there's something about like bon appetit that is like so immensely charming like even beyond mm-hmm. all of the things that we've, we've kind of already talked about, there's something about it that like I can't quite place that feels so like comfortable. Like I just really like these people. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what I kind of, you know what it is actually. I kind of like mm-hmm. that as much as it is a um, a very personable, uh, very personal kind of sh- like um, show. I guess you could say. Um, with a bunch of people it the relationship that we have with these people is always very explicitly like i think okay so i think that this is the kind of content where um it's similar it's in a similar vein to like streaming content like twitch right mm-hmm. where it is very focused on this idea of authenticity not necessarily, you know, authenticity, but the idea of authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. And approachability. And there's mm-hmm. the fact that the, the chat exists as a thing to, like, interact with, with the personality um, changes the way that the space works. Because that interaction space doesn't exist in Bon Appetit. And so the relationship that we have with these people is always very, like, as casual as it is it's very professional face forward right yes you get to see their failures you get to see their emotions and you get to see Mm -hmm. them kind of have fun with each other but Mm -hmm. you are always in a position where you understand that these are people doing their job yes yep it doesn't feel like there's that line that gets crossed where, like, a super fan might be like, well, I mean, this might have happened, but where I, a super I mean, fan might be like, right, oh my you god, should I never underestimate like what people will do. Like, right, right, exactly. But it feels like they at least put a concerted effort to make sure, like, you know, you, that you know that this is their job. This isn't, like, you coming into their house and, like, being introduced to, like, their family or whatever, right? Like, like right. this is them at their workplace and you are getting to see what it is like at their work and they're teaching you a thing <laughs> there is there is no invitation from the test kitchen like channel and and the yeah. way that they approach media there is no yeah. uh invitation for you to feel yeah. like you're a part of it necessarily yeah i think that's yeah. like the big thing is that yeah it feels like um 
And I think it's because it's packaged more in a pseudo traditional uh, content format like YouTube where uh, they're not vloggers, right? They're not trying to interact yeah. with you. They're just showing you something, right? Right. And they're just like putting something on, uh, like they're just showing you how to do something or they're, they're doing something for your entertainment, but it never goes any farther than that. You're never like, uh, you're never lured into the space, even though you feel as if that you um, are kind of like in it, I guess you could say. Like, mm -hmm. you feel like a part of the space. You feel like it's like very comfortable. But I, I feel like it's, it's very difficult to, to conflate that with the invitation that you're being asked to be a part of it socially. Right. That's what Twitch does. Yeah. It, it asks you to participate in something socially. Yes. Right. Yes. As opposed to just watching yeah. it as content. Whereas with a YouTube right. channel or a vlogger on a YouTube channel, honestly. Right. 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 The, the expectation is different. Yeah. It, it feels like they've kind of found out like a nice little spot in terms of like it's not as distant as like maybe like a cable TV show or whatever where there is like it feels like super like removed um and it's definitely not as intimate as like a twitch streamer right either right like yeah there's there's a definite i don't know it, it feels like a really nice balance yeah yeah it it reminds me a lot of it almost reminds me of like kind of an older an older generation of of youtube before vloggers really sort of keyed into the psychology of how like that sort of content works like these kinds of parasocial mm -hmm. relationships where mm -hmm. it, it is a lot more honest about, well, I'm just a person. I just want to share some stuff with you, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's mm -hmm. kind of where our relationship ends. And now, mm -hmm. mind you, I'm not saying that that's, like, going to be the, the message that everybody takes away. Because some people can get a little bit like that. And it just is like that, yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah. You just can't help that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is a, a nice, like comfortable professional distance that is kept it's like you just get a little glimpse every now and again into what they're doing in the kitchen and they explain to yeah. you okay complete aside they just make the recipe so easy to understand i'm just so glad <laughs> like i feel like a lot of recipes can get really bogged down in like very specific details and get very complicated but yeah i've never had any issue with anything i've ever tried to make from bon appetit Right. <laughs> but yeah, I uh I don't know. I I love it and as much as I try to be cynical about it and like because that's just how I am, you know. Yes. As much as I try to be cynical yes. about it, there is definitely a um like there's definitely a uh I can't be that cynical about it. Like it's it's one of the nice <laughs> even you cannot is, be that cynical. <laughs> it is one of the nice things that we have still in this hellscape we call a planet. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I also like that it, it it's obviously riding a couple of trends, right? But it they do go through a good amount of effort to, and this is with like you know Brad's like it's alive going places, right? Like. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of work to make sure that you know where food comes from, which I also think is very important work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think that's really cool, too. Like, I, I like the offsite stuff it. as well, where mm -hmm. they just go somewhere and, and they get to learn about something. Right. 
Yeah. Because it it really kind of it, it's kind of funny because it kind of shifts the the, par- the whole paradigm of like, you know, we're watching these professionals do something because um, mm-hmm. they're teaching us because they're better than us, where it's the mm-hmm. it's different <laughs> now. Now we're watching as the professionals that we've been watching don't know anything about this thing. And so they're yes, learning from yes, all of yes. it's actually very yes. cool. And it like it's super cool. And it like mm-hmm. kind of highlights this this chain of where everything comes from. Which I think is very yeah. important for food. And I think that's a, something that people are very conscious of now. Like, very conscientious yeah. of now, nowadays. Um, do you have a favorite show? Um, I feel like it could be a toss-up between It's Alive and Making Perfect. But mm-hmm. I also have, mm-hmm. like, such a hugely profound respect for Gourmet Makes. The only reason it's not my favorite is because when i go to youtube i don't go to watch like a professional like like version like like idealized version of me as a professional chef struggle to like make a thing because like i feel like if i was in claire's position i would be the exact same way of like <laughs> just exasperated on, all like, the time uh, yeah exasperated all the time taking on a huge like a monumental challenge and just like continuously running into like like hurdle after hurdle until i'm just like beyond myself right yeah. <laughs> and like obsessing over a problem even even outside of the kitchen right like that that would be me right <laughs> and so like that's why like i i i feel for her like so deeply um and i love her show too and uh it's it's just like a it's just like a type of uh uh um, a preference for what kind of shows that I go to YouTube for specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, like, even though, like, I super duper love her show, it's just like it only gets like only beat out like slightly by the other ones because, like, they more cater towards like why I go to YouTube. I guess, um, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I think I think Gourmet Makes is is my favorite one. Like, that's the one that lights up my life every time I see it. Right. Like, think, and for me, it's just like, yeah, I, I get lit. Uh, like, I th- it lights up like my life, too. It, it's just like also like a grim reminder of like my personality. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's very fair. That's very fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, I, I think that's that's very fair. Yeah, I. Yeah. I think Claire's my favorite. I like Claire a lot. I love Claire. Yeah, Claire's good. She's good. I love I love basically all of the people in the shows that I've watched from Bon Appetit. <laughs> I, I do think that Making Perfect is a very, very close second or a tie. Just because I like the way that it highlights every chef that they have. Yes, yes, exactly. That they're all just kind of working together. I also... Yeah. I very, very enjoyed the, the process of like how they come together to make the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because... I feel like that, but more than any any other thing on the channel, shows the process of how they they come to these conclusions and how they make something, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Because then mm-hmm. you actually get insight into how they sort of do their job. Yeah, it's it's super awesome. Yeah, um, I love the collaborative amount of it, and like, and and how it's it's quite clear. It's just like, I mean, I like how this is. This is so. This is what we're gonna move forward with, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's not so much of an objective like this is perfection, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. Yeah. I would definitely 
watch more of it if they made it. Um, the the sort of vibe of it is definitely a little different because it's more produced for television. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like you can see that all of the sort of principles of of Bon Appetit kind of make it through unscathed. Um, yeah. And then mm-hmm. like their obviously their YouTube channel has like the the more fun stuff, right? Like, because like let's not sort of downplay how good the editing is in creating the mood. Like the reason it's alive is so good is because the editing is so snappy and sharp. It almost feels oh, like it's funny. It, the editing is sassy. It, it almost feels like a <laughs> like because like you get so much personality from the editing. Yeah, <laughs> that it feels like the the editing itself is another character. It is for sure. Like you whoever's, get some of the editors, whoever's doing the editing is just they're just having a good time with it, and you can tell. And yeah. that's like yeah, the best. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just feels <laughs> it feels like such a such a like wholesome process from start to finish. And I, obviously I'm yeah. sure it's exhausting, you know, having a camera on yeah. and, and also doing your work. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I also kind of like that it's it's just so I like it could easily have been, you know, once they have like more interest in it, they just make more and more produced stuff. But They've never really moved away from it, right? And to the point where mm-hmm. even their recipes now are a little bit a little bit sassier in their editing, which I I think is like <laughs> kind of a fun touch. Like, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think it's ever as snappy as as it is with It's Alive. Like they they love to to just sort of to to toy oh, with sure. Brad, which yeah. is just just great. They they run away with it, yeah. Just completely <laughs> run away with it. I I'm 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 in love with it because it's. I think it's because it lays the process of the creation so bare, right? Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you can see where the seams are and you can see from start to finish, like, kind of the process of it. And so yeah. in the same way that you get to see them make the recipe, you also see kind of the way that this this whole production is made. And mm-hmm. it it's okay. And this is really interesting, right? Because it is this is like something that doesn't really exist as a thing until like very sort of recently where you have meta fiction right you have like plays that call attention to the fact that they're plays and it is kind of like that but in a more distilled form where it is it is a video and it is drawing attention to the fact that it is a video that is edited and it's Mm -hmm. by the way here's, here's a fun sort of like fun thing is we do the same thing with this podcast well, I do the same thing yeah, with the podcast, I, where I will purposely, I, so. I will purposely leave in seams sometimes, like just I will just leave stuff in to remind you that you are listening to a podcast. By the way, you're listening <laughs> to a podcast right now. Did uh, I hope we made that clear? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope we made that clear. Um, right, it's uh, I don't know. Bon Appetit is like really weird. Because I didn't expect it to be like a thing that I was would be so engaged, and I kind of thought I would just be like, "Oh, I'm just watching it's alive and whatever." Um, but then I kind of like really fell in love with with all the all the people um, who who make mm-hmm. the kitchen the space that it is, and I, I think that's also kind of important, right? That it's such a communal space that it's like, yes, absolutely. You recognize the people going through the background, and it feels very comfortable. It's kind of like. If you go to a cafe every day and you just kind of get accustomed to the white noise of the people like going like clink 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 clink, yeah, yeah. There's there's something very human about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, Chris Morocco. <laughs> I love Chris Morocco. 
I, I, I was trying to figure out like all throughout the episode where to put that in there but like now is the time now is the time because like the thing is i did not realize um because whenever they they like you see someone who you haven't seen before you're like oh who's this person right uh mm-hmm. and chris shows up like almost almost as like a pseudo antagonist in in gourmet makes or he's just like well you gotta tem- oh, you gotta I temper know. the chocolate the freaking like, tempering mm. of the chocolate it's such a meme now. Yeah. But then <laughs> but then after you kind of watch him and you realize that like I mean Claire has has said this has, has said as much, right? Where where she's like, I, I like Chris a lot. I really see Chris's approval. And I like I feel that a lot now, where I'm just like, I seek Chris's approval also. <laughs> Not in anything I do personally, but I just like when he signs off on stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everyone in the test kitchen is is just a gem. They're just they're just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. the the pineapple hibiscus cocktail that I made, um, the recipe is is brought to you by Rick, who does a fantastic job. I think he's one of the best people to like talk you through the process because every part of the process oh. is like enlightening. I was like, "Oh my brain! Oh god, it's Whoa. expanding!" Oh, <laughs> you had like a galaxy brain. Yeah, moment. I like had a galaxy brain moment. It was just like. <laughs> <laughs> What is that melody? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, ho- I hope they keep making content, and I hope it, it stays very like true to what, what it has been, because I think, yeah, there is a very real possibility for, uh, things that get successful to be emulated in a way where, uh, they're just looking to, to do it more, right? And not necessarily think mm-hmm. about what, what they're doing. But I think that they're very mindful about how they've done the content, which I'm really appreciative of. Yes. Yes. Because like that, they have a very specific image and, and goal in mind. Yeah. And I mean, like, because th- this is how I felt. I feel like about a lot of, of, you know, YouTubers that I used to watch, right? Where they mm. sort of, because the success was so unprecedented, uh, they moved into spaces that were more storied like more historied like you know television shows and and uh highly produced stuff like that so it feels a lot less you know genuine and like this that's a whole sort of conversation to have about genuineness and authenticity and right yeah i think it's <laughs> like cuz authenticity is kind of a nasty word when it comes to food and i hate it um, but that's my personal, yeah. that's my personal feeling about like the way that we police food and culture, uh, in, in the U S but that's, I guess that's a different time talking thing. <laughs> I guess that's, that's a topic for another time. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it feels very much like a very, a comfortable, like, I don't know. It's like walking into your local bakery and you kind of get to listen to them talk to each other while they make bread. Oh Yeah. Like there's there's an idealized version of of work happening here that is presented to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my appetite. I think I think I think we covered. I think we covered a lot of it. Basically everything that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. yeah. If there's anything more, it'll probably just come to me in the middle of the night, and I'll be like, oh. Yeah, you'll be like, I have to like <sighs> Twitter thread all of this and put it on 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 blast and. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I'll just read about it later in the next morning. Be like, oh well, they're, they're yeah. In the soup. I've t- I've <laughs> taken to putting it up on Patreon because they let you just kind of put a block of text up, 
So that should be that should be fine. Anyway, yeah. Let's just, I mean let's just wrap that up for now. Uh, if we want to come back to it, we can always we can always come back to. Oh, Renu. What? Mm. Before we before we move on. Speaking of Bon Appetit, before we move on, one last thing. Did okay. you see the pictures where um, Lee Hama took screen caps of the Bon Appetit test kitchen and drew the gourmet hound characters over? What? <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's my favorite thing. No way. I haven't been on Twitter recently. Hang on. Okay. Well, we we'll we'll get you up to speed on that. We'll get you up to speed on that. Um Let's wrap up. How about we? Okay. So, um I guess where can we find you on the internet? What are you up to? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr and uh twitch on uh swan dot drawn oh no swan drawn at swan drawn yep that's me yep. and then you can find me on instagram at swan dot drawn i know my own branding nice <laughs> uh this week uh like i said i'm freaking moving so Yikes. i will like i'll try to squeeze in a stream because i didn't stream last week but we'll see um and then i've got one more convention at the end of the month and i think that should probably be it i'm looking at the drawings now <laughs> <laughs> okay From Lihama. they're really great they're my favorite thing <laughs> oh my god they're so good <laughs> uh yeah that's what i'll be doing this weekend um and for the rest of the month is frantically moving and then one last convention one last hurrah and hopefully i can hibernate for the rest of the year <laughs> yeah you've done all of the work of the year before you know august is even done <laughs> like in august yeah <laughs> i feel that though i did graduate <laughs> yeah yeah there you go <laughs> similar feelings there I, I feel like i'm i've done i'm done for the year i did my thing <laughs> Let me rest. <laughs> Let me rest, please. Yeah, what about you? You can find me all places at Literal Soup. If I'm on a place, it's probably there. This week and the next week, I suppose. Although, yeah, that's, I guess, technically how it works, like two weeks from now. I am not sure if I have a job yet because they said it might take a little bit to even determine if they do. So... I guess I'm just sitting here waiting. Aside from that, um, I've been playing video games. Like I've, mm -hmm. I'm going to play more Fire Emblem, obviously, and get through every route and then figure out all the lore. And then I'll piece it together and I'll be like, okay, is the writing actually decent? Final verdict. Yeah. <laughs> and also I will probably play through the girls' frontline um, Valhalla collab. <laughs> And then probably also Overwatch because they have Roll Queue in um, and they have the New Hero Sigma. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, I will nice. probably just be cycling between. Oh, I'm going to ramen tomorrow. Okay, I say tomorrow. <gasps> I'm, we're recording this on the 13th, which is a Tuesday, so Wednesday. Yes, tomorrow. So, by the time um. you listen to this, I will already have had ramen, probably. Yum. Yum. Yeah, it's it's apparently a pretty um a pretty famous place in San Francisco. I I just I took it upon myself. Mm. I took it upon myself to try every ramen place in the Bay Area 
Wow. So that I can determine which is the best one. <laughs> which one's your favorite? Yeah, yeah. I, cur- I have a current favorite, of course. Uh, okay. But if I say it, maybe the line will grow longer. So I'll just keep that to myself for now. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a trend. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I'm going to get ramen tomorrow. Uh, it's a pretty famous place, honestly. Um, it is Mensho Tokyo SF. So it's like the SF branch mm. of, a, of a Japanese restaurant. And it has received Michelin stars. So that's a good sign, I think. Yeah. Who knows? Someone thinks it's good. <laughs> someone someone thinks it's good, which ad- admittedly is like less of an um, less of an endorsement than you would think it, it would be. Like I have seen some stellar reviews about some very mediocre ramen. <laughs> anyway, um it, there's there's a restaurant and a taste for everyone. <laughs> I I believe that that is true, and this is why I believe that star ratings are worthless. <laughs> Okay, anyway, uh, I give this podcast five stars. Okay, yeah, five Michelin stars. <laughs> give Here it five we go. Michelin stars for um, tasteness. Yeah. Okay. Tasteness. Tasteness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, aside from that, I will probably be doing that. I should, okay, let's be real. I should probably be working on personal stuff, like personal projects. But I'm just so lazy. I'm just so lazy. Oh, somebody decided that they would for their like show thing uh play through one of the games that i put up on itch for the sad mecha jam um and that was really cool oh so i'll i'll leave a link to that uh do it it was very very interesting listening to someone talk about the thought process playing it and Mm. i don't know man having anybody play your game feels real good that's all i'm saying oh that's sweet Yeah. yeah um but that's it. That's it for now, I suppose. Follow us. Okay. Follow us uh, on on the tweeters uh, at AbsoluteCast. Mm-hmm. Um, our opening is by Scotty Network, and our ending is by Takamokata. Uh, shoutouts this 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 week to Gwen and Frostfall. And I should clarify this because this is a good time to say it. If you pledge ten dollars or more, you you get a shoutout, basically, right? technically a postcard whenever we get around to doing that but you are completely free to message us after you make your pledge and tell us which name you want us to shout us shout you out with because we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable and we don't want to like bar anyone from from that so yeah we're not gonna put any of your personal info on blast or right whatever. like and uh I, yeah we will probably default to your like username on patreon and if you want us to say anything else you're free to message us I promise that I won't use your whole yeah. government name so that someone can steal your identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That as would just be yeah, you're not, tragic. Right. <laughs> like, also, your social security number and... Right, right. <laughs> but, like, give us your credit card number and your social security yeah. number and the number on the back of your credit card. Uh, just yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. safety <laughs> and not for grand blue rolls. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny joke because we're, you're already giving us money. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, okay. Anyway. Uh, I, thank you very much I, I for helping to yeah. support us. Thank, thank you very much yeah. for supporting us. Uh thank you so much to to everyone who's listening. Could not do this without you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Alright, are you ready? 
Are you ready? Are you gonna sing it with me this time? Oh man, did you learn the song? Uh, I didn't learn the whole song, but I I just have the part the part that I know, the water. Uh... Yeah, do it. Why why don't you do it with me? I'll sing with okay, you. Okay, ready? This is gonna be so out of yeah. sync on on, on the, when we sync this it up will... in the in the recording. It's fine. It's no, fine. No, don't worry. You'll sync it up. It's fine. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be so bad. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> when are we starting? Where and where? What's the part that you know? Oh, I start from the wadera, majima. Yeah, majima, 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 majima. Oh lord! I hope that was just Discord, and that sounds better when I sync that up in post. Maybe I, maybe I will, maybe I'll make a note of it. No, uh, listen. Whatever you heard is exactly how it's gonna be okay you're right you're right you're right i shouldn't tamper with it too much you are listening to a podcast after all we live in a society <laughs> we live in a society <laughs> okay goodbye bye everybody ね。